Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. This is why no one plays with humans. Written by Chapalding. Ukramda United Zedo Academy. There were whispers that our door would be having a human join us. We had outlived them from some backwater hell world in a far reach. We anticipated they'd be similar to the Burgain in culture, tribal Luddites incapable of the most basic arithmetic and only brought to the school for some obscene sports scholarship. I'd only heard rumors of what humans were capable of. They crawled in mud and stone-paced buildings throwing fire at each other. I shuddered to imagine what inane tribe I'd be endure before they expelled for eating a student or defecating in a class like some sort of animal. The human arrived, ushered forward by a Xeno Wrangler. He was introduced to us as Dave. The moment he spoke, I felt my head tingle. Was this human a scion? Perhaps this wouldn't be so bad. We all were forced by the Xeno Wrangler to introduce ourselves and perform the human custom of shaking hands. Ekla went first and it took a few painfully awkward moments for him to grasp the simplicity of the movement. He was quick to wipe his hands and muttering about oils. We went around the room and introduced ourselves while trying to get used to the human psionic song. The moment the Xeno Wrangler left, we broke all contact with Dave the Human and resumed our session of Ascendancy of Alphas. It felt rather confident in my collection of vassals and client IDs that collected through my recent campaign against the Yaprodas colonies. Immediately, we all felt Dave leering over our shoulders as we prepared our actions for the turn and added dice to our planets. Dave mentioned that he'd read about the game that we were playing and expressed interest. I looked around the table, and the other Xenos, several Nakota and Iprids, were rather pleased to have another Xeno at the table, while my fellow Varlans were willing to have the human at the table if it meant the balance of power would be shifted away from me. The traitors. Dave picked up on the game surprisingly quickly. He was dealt a few of planet tiles and a small merchant navy to begin with. He was rather pleased with the mediocre planets that he was dealt. No one could understand why. All he had was a habitable planet and several barren wolves with only simple resources on them. No yonderite, no plascrete deposits. We all felt rather bad crippling the human before he began. A few turns and the human asked a few questions about what armies would build on planets. We humored him and told him the basics. He smiled and continued to plot out his expansions while the rest of us prepared our ambitions. I was still trying to figure out why he was smiling. Before I resume the story, perhaps I should explain the game that we are playing as its rules will be crucial later on. Ascendancy of Alphas is a 400-year-old game that tells the tale of galactic ambition. Typically played with 20 players and managed by a simple I.I. pyramid in the middle of the table. Each turn is a month and in that turn you dedicate population dice to various activities of your empire. 
producing food, constructing ships, producing war materials, and harvesting resources. Meanwhile, hero units and leaders lead fleets and govern colonies and use their abilities to influence events. The AI takes in the data in each turn and produces events for the player to tackle, sometimes interfering with the player diplomacy to ensure power does not remain in one place. I'd personally been able to defy the AI and had well over a hundred planets under my rule. I'd bought vast amounts of wealth and technology compared to any other player. Anyways, the goal of the game was to either conquer and subjugate all players or be in a diplomatic situation when no one is able to oppose you. It was only the Nakuta holdouts that had a few of my Valance brethren that were still outside my influence. The reason I bring up the rules of the game were because for well over 300 years it has been readily agreed that there is one way to ensure supremacy and that's through having as steep of technology advantages as possible and having enough money to ensure the loyalty of any who cannot subjugate immediately through corruption and pirate raids. The only variation on the stride and true technique was in the technology you used in your ships and the models of the ships used. I was the purest and had forgone battleships in favor of my dimensional rift cruisers with ultraviolet heavy lasers. They were expensive but could cripple a fleet in one turn and jump to nearly any point in the galaxy when needed. Dave, however, was far as we could tell rather dumb because he had ignored our traditions and was blazing his own bath. As weeks went by, he continued to trade for worlds that we didn't need or want and only kept up to average technology level. He had, however, invested heavily in counterintelligence, and I could barely see what the stupid human was doing. While the rest of the players used explorers to further their research, Dave continued to expand and colonize backwater worlds that we would never dream of touching. Most of the worlds had populations in the millions and colonies in the dozens of systems and only had outposts on the most outer worlds. Dave, though, he was proud when he one of his worlds reached the 50,000 and considered it a huge achievement. We all congratulated him and ignored his sandcastle empire in favor of actually winning the game. It was well agreed whoever won would be the honor of smashing the human. It had been a year of playing, or about a thousand years. Every other player either kneeled to me or was so dependent that they kneeled out of the need rather than obligation. Except Dave, because frick Dave, that's why. Dave sat at the table with every one of us staring at him as he sat there with a big cocky smile. I'd had it. I needed to put him in his place. So I informed him that we'd been going easy on him, and now that he knew the rules, he got to play like the rest of us. I ordered Eklar and his vessels to attack Dave since they were the closest, and Dave kept on smiling. Eklar and I never saw face to face on most things related to AOA. I was a laser purist, but he followed a more modern belief in the superiority of plasma weapons. They were close at range, but could melt through ships with ease. Barbaric, but it got the job done. Eklar proclaimed that he'd use his expeditionary fleet to take out Dave, and Dave kept on smiling, because why not? Dave smiled and agreed that an expeditionary force must be more more than enough. It was at this point that we realized why he was smiling. When Dave and Eklar entered battle screen, we thought the AI had faced a rounding error. 
Dave's expeditionary fleet was easily fifteen times the size of Eklar's. Accusations of cheating floated around, but Dave insisted he wasn't. The entire table clamored around the battle screen to investigate. Dave's ships were ancient, easily five hundred years old and retrofitted numerous times. A collective laugh ensured as we realized Dave probably was so behind on tech that this expeditionary fleet, typically the most advanced of any fleet, was horrendously ancient. And then the combat ensued. Eklar's plasma-like cruisers stormed forward and were two turns from reaching Dave's tin fleet. Everyone leaned forward to get a good view of the carnage. An eagle eye of Nakata mentioned that Dave was using snug throw weapons. We giggled like open larvae and made finger guns at Dave. Then Dave's turn came. He ordered his tightly packed fleet to form and spread out formation, but didn't move. We looked around and wondered why he was so calm. Eklar used one of Nakota's ships to fire long range with a laser. It sinked through the ships and crippled it. Once Ektar was done his turn, Dave ordered the fleet to open fire. For reference, for what is about to happen, one of my antimatter laser equipped cruisers is capable of firing three shots per turn while Ektar's plasma cannons had one shot. His shields could withstand about four shots before they were compromised. The smaller of Dave's ships was capable of firing seven shots, while the average ship was capable of firing over forty. Ektar's ships had one turn to dodge the attack, since they were primitive slug throwers. Ektar's ships rolled well, but there was not much that they could do to avoid a wall of explosive shells flying towards them. The shell slammed into the formation and tore the shields apart. The ship's armor was stripped away and torn off violently as Dave's ship closed into knife-fight range. At Carl's plasma cruisers were able to destroy swaths of ships, but for every one he destroyed, five broke through his defenses. Within five turns, Atclaus retreated with his crippled ships into a friendly territory and Nakota's ship surrendered. And Dave was still wrecking, smiling. Edgar didn't take the defeat well. In fact, he assembled his entire contingency force and any planetary garrison that he could muster and ordered his Nakota allies to back him on all the assault. The Nakota informed him that their ships would take a turn to get into range. Edgar didn't want to wait and plunged into Dave's territory with fire in his eyes. This time, Dave's expeditionary fleet suffered spectacular losses and we all had a relieved sigh as we broke his fleet. Edgar gleamed with barely contained fury as he barreled down any system within reach to glass any occupied planet. We all had a moment of shock when another of Dave's fleets arrived. An assault fleet, to be correct, and in compared to the expeditionary fleet, this was titanic. The purple drained from Ektar's space as the ships had spent decades constructing were rendered into scrap by the increased bombardment of Dave's fleet. The Dakota, the treacherous scabs that they are, took this opportunity to invade Ektar's territory. With no defense fleet and only merchant navy available to Dakota, ravaged his system while his grand fleet was encircled by Dave's armada of Dakar. At this point, we all realized that Dave was, in fact, rather good at AOA. I gathered all my allies and thralls and prepared to rend Dave's empire apart. We would bleed Dave's fleet dry by ravaging his planets. He and his Nakota turncoats would pay for their transgressions. Dave gave the Nakota the jewels of the Ekkar Empire. 
He took his remaining populations and fleets and fled them into our territory. He gave him starting systems, which he didn't take too well. We were quick to remind him that he wouldn't be in the situation if he hadn't lost to the human fighting him with antiques. He quieted down after that. We all felt confident that we could beat Dave and his allies. We were used to hone tactics from grand masters of the game. We had history on our side. We began warping into this territory as the carve-away had his vulnerable interior. Our skirmishers were quick and decisive. Dave would lose on average of a hundred ships a turn as we ambushed him. But he was still freaking smiling. He couldn't understand it. It had been well over ten years in game, and even our fleets were straining Dave's fleets. Meanwhile, we were still expanding. We couldn't grasp it. How on earth could he sustain such carnage for so long? We probed his colonies to understand how he was capable of sustained warfare. What we saw terrified us. It wasn't the scale of the shipyards that he had. It was the number... Traditional game theory stated that more advanced shipyards were more worthwhile as more advanced and expensive ships wouldn't be lost as frequently and sustained limited amounts of rare resources. Dave, meanwhile, had hundreds of shipyards, some configured for ancient designs. He'd never modified the hull for some reason, only the equipment on board. His populations were spread out, but those seedling colonies had grown to a few low minions. Where we were spending years constructing individual works of art, he was pasting together ships as fast as the metal would cool. What was worse, none of the ships used rare resources. What happened next, I will remember as the most soul-rending month and a half of my life. Every time we sat down at the table, I knew I was going to see another of my beautiful ships drift into the void. Each turn, Dave and his growing group of allies ate away at my territory until eventually the fateful day came. I was down to my last clutch of core colonies. I thought of the years that I'd spent carefully planning and developing them. And now, I had to look at Dave in the eyes and yield. And he still was fricking smiling. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.